As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He is a compassionate God. He's a merciful God. He's a righteous God, absolutely, but he's a compassionate God. And everybody in this room knows the experience. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'm just going to put it out there just for fun. That every time you've called on the Lord for answers to prayer, he may not give you the answer right away, but he does in that fact that you call out on him give you peace and comfort with the relationship that you have with him. That's what he does. The answer to your prayer may be not now or not right now, but even in that answer there should be some sort of resonant peace because he's communicating with you. He's not leaving you alone. What's that passage in Proverbs 18? Um, Proverbs 18:15, or is it 15:18? Whenever you call on him, I've got it backwards, but it's 15:18. Nope, that's the wrong one too. What was that passage we were talking about the other day? You said it was Proverbs 18. Pardon me? Proverbs 8.18. Pardon me? It's the gist of it is that the... (laughs) Those who seek after the Lord is like running into a righteous tower. He is the one and and you feel safe and secure. He gives you safety and security. And I've got the numbers all mixed up now. The Lord is a strong tower. Proverbs 18.10. That's it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. This is another descriptive of the Lord. This passage is not on your handout, but it, it brings to mind... I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. Do you feel God's protection? Even though you may not have answers to questions right away, if you seek after him, do you feel his protection? Do you feel his safety? Do you feel secure in where you are in that relationship? He deliberately wants you to feel that way. He wants you to express this protection, this covering. This is another descriptive of God that I'm just giving to you, in addition to the one from Psalm 103.13. And what adjectives does Jonah 4.2 use to describe God's character? Good old Jonah. I'm really jealous of the, the ladies' group. Jealous. Because they're doing a study on Jonah. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a great study. I already I already know it's gonna be a great study because of what what they're experiencing. Jonah four two. 
he prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. Does that sound like a harsh God to you? Here's Jonah, who's ticked off, and yet he recognizes God's character. A compassionate God, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from seeing disaster. Now, it's important for you, as a person discipling someone else, to remember these attributes as you talk to people. These are his attributes. Do you understand that God does not want to punish you? Do you get that? He doesn't want to punish you. He does discipline you when you need it. But the word punish and discipline are two different things. And if you're not getting healing or getting a response from him right away, it's not a punishment. Yes. It's the first question all... No, go ahead. (laughs) Well, let's describe what punishment is. What is punishment? It's It's all in the definitions of words. Go ahead. A consequence for your actions is the punishment. Okay. All right. True. You see it that way. Okay. Who else? Discipline, you have to understand. Being disciplined is something where I can say the same thing for the word discipline. You're being disciplined because there's a consequence for what you've been what you've had to go through. And let's face it, if you if you commit commit a crime, you're going to be disciplined for that crime based upon whatever the sentence is for that crime that you've been given. It's like when you get a speeding ticket. You get a speeding ticket. What's the what's the discipline that takes place? You got to pay a fine. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to elaborate. What the difference is. Okay. Okay. Okay, or even what they didn't do. Okay, that's, there you go. And the Lord disciplines his children because he loves them. You had your hand up. Okay. Okay, and I, there's a reason why I asked that question. That question was asked too. Uh, go ahead, um, Arella. Okay, that's true. It can be verbal. It can be mental. Yes. Yeah. Now, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. But you understand, too, that punishment may not always have to follow discipline. It's, an, it's something that is separate. Now, I mentioned, I'm glad that you asked the question. And you asked the question because I want you to understand something. This is a, a class teaching you how to disciple others. So if you're trying to disciple other people, did you have your hand up, too? Or you, no, okay. You're, tr- you're, you're learning about how people will respond to you based upon what they're going through, and they'll say things to you, and you can give them insight as to what they should be experiencing because you know the difference, first of all, between discipline and punishment. And that God is not punishing those people so that they are not experiencing healing and they want to understand that this is how you help talk someone through these things. You're hearing what they're saying. Yes, go ahead. Oh, he outed you? See, I, I thought this was something was going on. That's why I was watching over there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. You prefer the whipping? Well, you're you're a strange guy. <laughs> Okay. I see. I understand. Well, just like anything else, like when, you know, when wait till your father gets home and you come home and you would much rather be talked to than get your butt whipped. I'm just going to tell you that right now. That's just me. That's my opinion of that because I didn't like getting my butt whipped. Okay. I would much rather just go to my room and sit quietly and reflect upon what happened. Um, just by getting talked to, okay? All right. What does the psalmist ask in Psalms 77, 8, and 9? This is kind of where we left off, but I wanted to have a nice flow this week to make sure that we get to this. Psalm 77. Yeah, it's the top of the second page. I'm sorry. If, you, if you're looking for where I am, that's the top of the second page of our handout. So... What does the psalmist ask in Psalm 77, 8, and 9? Some of of the, yeah, there there is other sheets that I had that were formatted differently, so it may not be at the top of the page, but it may be at the bottom of the other one. Psalm 77, 8, and 9. What does the psalmist ask? It says, has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Now, why do you think the psalmist is asking that question? Well, the next paragraph will talk about that. The psalmist is asking the question, and by the way, the the clock up there is not working at all, so I'm going by, it's 10.05, so 10.04, not 9.30, pardon me? Yeah, 10.05, well, going by what it says here. The psalmist was wondering if God's loving kindness had ceased and if his promise had come to an end. 
David was so tangled in his own pain that he questioned if God simply got angry, stopped being compassionate, or even caring. Pain makes us wonder if God has forgotten to care about us. Let me tell you something right now. It's not, against, it's not God's character to forget about you. Why? He created you as eternal beings. That's just not in his character. And let's just look at it practically. If God forgot about you, you'd be the most miserable person on earth. But again, thankfully, that's not his character. He won't do that. When you're feeling lousy, when you're feeling miserable, when you're feeling depressed, what do you feel like? You feel like you're all alone and there's no one around you to help you, including God. And that's why people kill themselves. We have to understand that that feeling is a feeling that comes from none other than Satan. Satan wants you to feel like you're all alone and you can't talk to anyone or call on anyone. That's why people do what they do to themselves like that. Now that's, a, that's just a very basic very, almost too much of a broad brush statement on suicide. But that's pretty much what it is. If you feel like you don't have any reason to live, that means there's no one around you, there's no one to interact with, no one cares about you, no one really is concerned about you, that's why you do what you do. Yes? Correct. Absolutely. That's right. You're never alone. And, and this is something that you have to reinforce. So let's look at the next section here. What does Isaiah 49.15 say about God's compassion toward you and God remembering you? Isaiah 49.15. And he uses the, a perfect analogy to describe this. Now, you have to understand that if you look at the news sometimes, you wonder people who are totally just messed up will do things to their kids that they shouldn't be doing. But under normal circumstances, look at what it says here. Can a woman forget nursing her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these things forget, even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Now, it mentions that because sometimes... It doesn't work out perfectly between a, a, a mother and child. But God is saying he'll never do anything but care about you. That's what he will do. He will always be compassionate. And we have to understand that this is why I'm going to reiterate again too. Focus on what the word says. 
When you focus on what the world says, you're going to get a totally different picture. Amen? The world's going to give you a totally different picture. No need to look to God. No need to be concerned about what God says because God doesn't care about you. The world will tell you that every single day. You have got to stay focused on the Word. And understand something. You'll say, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to get fall into that trap. I'm sorry, guess what? It, the more you see stuff in the world, it permeates you. It infiltrates you. It affects your thinking. It affects your worldview. Believers must stay focused on the Word. Period. And amen. Have to. Especially if you know where this opposition is coming from. It's just like what Ed said. If Satan is like a roaring lion and he is a predator, what do you think he's doing? He wants to destroy you. He doesn't, he's not playing games with you. He wants to destroy you. And he's a master at it. And he's a master at knowing what makes you have your bad moments. You need to know who your opposition is. And you need to be ready for it. This is your sword and your shield. The word. This is what you got. When the word says Satan has to flee. Oh, okay. Satan has to flee. You have to tell him to flee. You have to tell him to get away and he will. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he has a book on us. <laughs> he knows exactly what will cause us to stumble. All the more reason we have to stay guard, girded up with the word. But we need to remember what it says here in Isaiah 49:15. He says he'll not forget you. As you disciple other people, you have to remind them that God knows where you are right now. He knows you're hurting. He knows that you're not having a good moment, but he has not forgotten you. God doesn't forget to be compassionate, but sometimes his compassion is obscure and hard to recognize. That's true. And that's only because of how we are wired as people. We're wired in such a way where it's hard sometimes for us to see his compassion because we're in the flesh. Plain and simple. We're in the flesh. This is something that uh, the uh, author, uh, Jennifer Rothschild, wrote. When you consider your difficult trials, it may be hard to understand how God can truly care if he lets it remain. Why doesn't he show his compassion in a way we would recognize? Or maybe a better question is, why does he show his compassion in such a mysterious way? Because God is mysterious. Amen? What was one of the things you learned when you were young about, you know, God has mysterious ways. He does have mysterious ways. Everything is not always just right up front and out in the open. Think about that. Could God be showing his compassion by allowing your pain or unanswered questions represent God's care for you? Ask yourself the following questions. Has my pain been a source of protection for me? If so, how? That's a great question. 
You may not think that what you're going through is a source of protection, but then again, it might be. Sometimes, I'll just use this as a broad brush example. It may or may not connect with this, but we'll see if it does. Sometimes God has to do what? To slow you down. Hit you right in the face sometimes with something. Because it slows you down, and it might hurt at the time, but it actually might be something that's better for your overall health. You ever thought about that? And so there may be a season where, yeah, you're on your feet, you're doing whatever you think you should be doing, but all of a sudden he slows you down. Something happens. Now that's, that just came to mind, but there may be other examples for that. Here's another question. Has my pain taught me something about God or myself? And if so, what? Remember when I said this is a learning experience for those who go through this stuff? It's still a learning experience. It, it may not be the learning experience that you would sign up for. No one would. But it's not about signing up for a learning experience. Sometimes you have to go through it. Psalm 110. Okay. Well, there are seven verses. In... Okay. Psalm 110, 6 and 7. Okay, hold on. What are you looking at, young man? You are not in Psalm 110. You are in Psalm 119. Oh, one, yeah, 119. Well, that's oh. a di- <laughs> we're looking at 110. <laughs> one of the great things about this, I can actually go over and see what he's looking at right now. It's Psalm 119. Uh, six and seven, I think, is what he was getting at. Right? Psalm 119. Seven, seventy-one. What? Verse seventy-one. I'm scrolling to seventy-one. Okay. You know what? We're on the same page now. Psalm one nineteen seventy-one. Man, you had me in all the other parts of the Bible. All right, Psalm 119.71. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. Now, you know what? I mean, that's... Yeah. Instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Okay. And you understand that that passage absolutely fits what we're talking about here. He does teach us. If it doesn't do nothing else, it slows us down enough so we are really listening to God speak to us. Because when we're in a hurry sometimes, we hear God speak to us sometimes, but it's real fast. Or it may may be what? Or we hear what we want to hear. Which, no, that ain't cool. If we hear what we want to hear, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. There's that discipline thing again. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a learning experience, isn't it? Means you won't touch that again. Yep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yep, that's right. That's exactly right. So now, again, just circling back and remembering that we're talking about somebody who's looking for God's healing hand, and we're wondering, they're wondering what's going on here, too. And the healing is not always instantaneous. You know, I would love to say that every time I took an Excedrin, that my headache was gone. But I can't say that. It does work. And we know it works, but there are times when it just doesn't work. For whatever reason. So we understand that that's just something that we have to kind of go through. But understand somebody who's going through a tough time when it comes to healing of ailments, issues, things that are going on. All y'all see on TV now are commercials about medicine, medication, drugs. To do what? Cover fibro, uh, take things like fibromyalgia? I mean, serious ailments. You know, people... People who go through, I cannot imagine having just nerve endings just on fire all the time. But that's what people who have fibromyalgia have. And yet, those people, and there are quite a few of them actually, too. We're not talking about a small number of people. But you have to wonder, how do people like that respond when they go through such pain or difficulty all the time? Football players kind of get it. When they play football for a career and a living, and most of them in their 40s and 50s have chronic pain through their body. But they also recognize that that's what they, that's what they signed up for. A lot of them do. They get that. Some still don't manage it very well. And they wish they could experience some sort of healing as well, too. Has my pain put me in a position I may not have been in, I may not have been without it? If so, where? Now, these are very tough questions. There's no way you can answer a question like this just by sitting and looking at it for a few seconds. But it makes you think. And understand that these are questions that when you're counseling someone, those might be questions that are valid questions to ask them. What has it made you consider? Throughout all of this. After you ask yourself these questions, call or pull aside one of your Bible study buddies and share your insights. Your honesty will encourage your buddy and strengthen you. We often assume God's apparent inactivity in our situation is evidence of his neglect when it really may be his way of showing compassion to protect you, provide for you, or preserve you. Now, let me just tell you something. The words seem hollow on paper. But the person who's living this way 
will experience it, feel it, and realize it. There may indeed be God's compassion in the midst of all of that pain. Protect you, provide for you, or preserve you. And understand the protection, the provision, and preserving may just be simply somebody caring for them. It may be a caregiver. It may be caregivers. It may be people who are genuinely taking interest in that person's life, whereas maybe they hadn't been taking interest in that person's life before. There's all kinds of things in place here. Pray and ask God to affirm his care for you and show you how afflictions and pain can be evidence of his compassion. Look at this quote at the end here. Afflictions are but the shadows of God's wings. Does anybody ever think that way? But it actually may be that. I hope that this is putting you in a whole different way of thinking about this thing about pain and a lack of healing and a lack of knowing what's going on. That sometimes this affliction that we go through is actually God trying to reach out to us and show his compassion for us. Yeah. Sure. That's right. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. That's right. That's a, that is an ultimate statement, though. That, that's a Habakkuk-type statement. That's the same thing. How, in the midst of all this devastation, how, in the midst of all this affliction, are yet you able to praise the Lord? God must be doing something to you and your life for you to do that. And only God can do that. Only He can do that. We're running long, but go ahead. Yeah, that's right. And my comment was, I said, well, you know, when you have to think about it, number one, once you say the devil in hell can't keep you out of the hands of God. Amen. So that's the first thing that you should really have. That's right. Amen. Amen. All right. Who's going to teach my class next week?
Who's going to be the facilitator? Volunteers? Ed? Whatever subject you want. Okay. Thank you for doing that. That saves Pastor Gus from having to do it. So we'll, we'll take that as a win. Amen? Amen. All right. So y'all show up for him now. Don't, don't take the week off. Because I'm going to get a report when I come back. I'll find out who you are. Amen. That's right. <laughs> Unless you already got vacation plans and that's the only out you got. Okay. Now, if you book a ticket today, then we got a problem. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to come together as a group. And Lord, we just thank you for how you are teaching us with your word and you're giving us information that's very insightful as to how you have just an effect on us, even though we are scuffling and struggling with pain or difficulty. You have a way of showing us your compassion, your mercy, your care, your love, and your concern. And Lord, we don't want God to be a genie for us, just to touch us and heal us instantaneously. We want to learn from you. We want to be guided by you. We want to understand the big picture when it comes to the things we experience. We thank you for this love and concern and compassion. We know that you don't forget about us. Help us to remember that when we're going through things. Help us to express those things to others who are struggling as well too. We pray now for the upcoming message in the speaker and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. See you in two weeks.